Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. Friends, welcome back to the Ransom Heart Podcast. John Eldridge here this week with Bart Hansen and Stacy Burton on our team, picking up the second part of a conversation. And so if you're just tuning in right now, you might want to go back and start with part one. That'll make a lot more sense to you. But we are talking about the need for a mature perspective of suffering so that we can find God and find his resources in it. And in the first episode, Bart and Stacy and I shared something of the reality of some pretty, pretty hard suffering that we've been through. And dear friends, I know it's so easy to look at other people's lives and think that they have it better or they've figured it out. They've figured parenting out or they've figured their finances out or something. But honestly, if you were to go around the the whole staff at Ransomed Heart, you could hear some pretty heartbreaking stories. Mm -hmm. You can. Beautiful stories of God, incredible stories of breakthrough as well. But we're just trying to shed some light on this and take some of the shame off it, Mm -hmm. take some of the bad theology out so that we can find God and find the provisions that he does have for us. So I was thinking about this. I was flipping to the book of Revelation. And in chapter one, John, the dear friend of Jesus, now exiled on the island of Patmos. Yeah. Here's how he describes Christianity. He opens this letter. He says, John, your brother and companion in the suffering Mm. and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus. Okay, so he's got a mature view. Oh, yeah, there's the kingdom, and I'm participating in it, and good heavens, he's about to have this long revelation of Jesus, okay? And he's going to have an angel take him up and show him heaven, you know? So he's experiencing phenomenal things in the Holy Spirit, but he describes it as, no, I'm your brother and companion in suffering. Mm -hmm. Wow. And then, as Jesus does, you know, John's seeing him, and he's beginning to give John some things to write down and send to the churches. Jesus starts to address the churches, right? The churches of Ephesus and Smyrna, etc. And you just read what he has to say to the young church kind of scattered through, mm-hmm. you know, the Mediterranean world at that time, right? And, you know, to the church in Ephesus, he says, you've persevered and endured many hardships for my name. To the church in Smyrna, he says, I know your afflictions and your poverty, okay? I know. He says, don't be afraid of what you're about to suffer. So this is Jesus writing tenderly to his young church, very honestly about suffering to the church in Pergamum. Jesus says, I know where you live, where Satan has his throne. Imagine living in the city that is actually Satan's home base. Yeah, his base camp. I mean, the darkness. And the words of don't be afraid. Yeah, the words of don't be afraid. And so just to kind of try and pick up where we were last time, we were were talking about the dangers of suffering and how agreements get in, Mm -hmm. loneliness gets in. I personally think that's actually one of the worst parts of it, actually, is is just 
that feeling that nobody understands. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, just had lunch with a beautiful man who loves God very deeply, and they lost one of their children. And he was very gently honest about, he says, you know, I try and tell my friends about it, mm. but how could they possibly understand? Right. Yes. He wasn't angry that they couldn't, but he was also just realistic. Mm-hmm. And so what he did is he went to a grief recovery group specifically for parents who have lost children. And he said, it was amazing to be in a room of people who understood me. Understood the grief and right? the loss. Yeah, and, the yeah. particular experience. Yes. Because the loneliness yeah. ends up being part of the suffering, right. doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, yes, yeah. it is. It is. As well as the mental and the spiritual confusion. Right. Of, you know, why aren't my prayers working? And where is God in this? And how do we find our way towards the breakthrough that is available? And so where we left off last time, listeners, was we were just trying to get this into a biblical context mm-hmm. to say, look, the scriptures are pretty rich in a theology of suffering. Yes, offering breakthrough. Yes, by all means, offering healing, redemption, restoration, reconciliation, yep. right? And Romans 8, now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs mm-hmm. of God and co-heirs with Christ if we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Yes. See, right there. Yep. Right? Side by side. We, oh, yeah, you get to share in the glory, right? But you also but share. part is the suffering. But you also yeah. share in the suffering. Yes. Right? right. Yes. And to just say, look, Jesus warned us that things were going to get rough. He warned us that sometimes it was going to get very rough before it got better. This just helps with the lies of abandonment. It helps with the lies that you're blowing it. Right. Because isn't the worst part of it that somehow I've screwed up? Yes, mm-hmm. that always is something that comes at you. Doesn't yeah. it? Yes. And the self-reproach right. that comes out of that. And yeah, John, as I look back now, 19 years of this, and first two years were by and far the worst, but then it leveled out. But then just year after year after year at this level of chronic pain, uh, somewhere along the line— my posture of prayer changed. Mm. And rather than ask God, why? Why for this pain? I began to ask God, what are you up to? Mm. Which opened my mind and my horizons and my spirit and my soul to the fact that there's a story unfolding here. Mm-hmm. And there's God's up to something. He's up to something. Okay, okay pause. Because what you are describing is context. Yes. Perspective, right? A larger view of things. Right. Getting getting this puzzle piece, which by itself is horrible. Right. Mm -hmm. Those early years of myopic, just the pain in my body, that was the whole thing. Yeah. And it's say, I've got this puzzle piece I don't understand, but there is a larger frame within which this fits. Yes. I, I just that thought, Bart, right. that there might be a larger frame that this fits in could be a massive rescue oh, it, for someone. Oh, it was for me. It, it totally was for me. And it took me to other levels of drawing strength from God as I began to pray in that. And we had some great conversations about, about 
Just, you, you and Jesus did? Yeah, Jesus and I did about my hands really <laughs> sucked today. My feet really sucked. And and Jesus says, yeah, I felt that too on the cross. You know, I'm like, yeah. oh, my gosh. You know, yeah. oh, my gosh, Jesus was there. And I felt the loneliness up there when the sins of the world were dumped on me. I'm yeah. like, oh, my gosh. So, I mean, Jesus, he really spoke through the suffering. Just speaking to agreements, especially the one of, is it my fault? Yep. Am I doing this to myself? Yep. Very familiar with that, especially with cancer and all the kale salads and yeah. whatever you else out there. Right. You yeah, you I used deodorant. Yeah. 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 Which feel so it cruelly feels, true. Yeah. Oh, of course. Right. They're just so close to, to the truth. Doing the right diet. Right? Yeah. I did this. And people love to tell you yeah. how you should be living. Oh, yes. And I was just thinking back to earlier conversation. I want to share the verse of Luke Great. 13, where Jesus asks, Do you think the Galileans are worse sinners because of how they suffered? And I just think it's so important to not judge another's suffering because each story is so tender, like this man you had lunch with today. Yes. There can be so much of like, wow, they're still harboring on that. We each have such a deep story, and it's not caused by our sin. Yeah. So to that exact thing, Stacey, we were in a time of healing prayer for a dear woman several years ago, and... She had come in for—there was some deep suffering in their family. It wasn't hers immediately, but because she was the mom, she was bearing Mm -hmm. the suffering of the family, you know? Yeah. Carrying it emotionally. So this is emotional suffering. And it was through some relational things that were terrible. It was betrayal and horrible suffering. And so we go into the time of prayer, and and I'm looking for what Jesus is going to bring into the moment. But the corner that he turned— it was almost hard for me to say the words because the question he asked her was, you think I did this to you, mm-hmm. don't you? Mm-hmm. And I paused and I said, you know what? You know, I call her Sarah. Sarah, we actually can't go on with prayer right now right. because Jesus wants to address something in your heart. Mm-hmm. And so the question he's asking is, you think that Jesus did this to you and to your family? And this is what we mean about the importance of mature understanding and having a theology for this and a context for it that you were just talking about, Bart, because it gets in. Oh, Bart can speak to where he's at 20 years later. I feel like I'm in the midst of, come on, God. Yes. What's going on? Right now. Right now. And gang, we just want to say we really understand that. It just gets in. Pain is Mm -hmm. a very vulnerable place, whether it's physical pain or psychological, whether it's chronic disappointment, Yes, Mm -hmm. that the doubts get in, that the God, you you did this, or I did this, or they did this, and then close on the heels of that, the bitterness, the resentment, and, and as I said in our first episode, the worst thing that suffering does, gang, is not the suffering itself. It's what it does yeah. to your heart, to your heart. Yes. and what it does to your relationship with God. Yes. And in this 30-year battle mm-hmm. with spiritual warfare, the increasingly difficult and larger enemies, and as we go into serious places in the world to bring Jesus some gnarly, gnarly stuff, in the pain, it's like, come on, God, like, why aren't you helping more? 
right? And it just gets in. We just want to be in kindness. We want to say it just gets in. It does. So now let's talk about the scriptures have a very, very, very sober view of suffering and even a, I want to say, honor theology of suffering. You know, Paul considers it an honor to suffer for Jesus. And I'm not just saying because you're persecuted because you share Christ with someone, simply taking sides, gang. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Just taking sides with Christ means they're going to come after you. Yes. Or your kids. It's inevitable. Or your work. So there's this whole broader context of what it means to share in the sufferings of Christ. And Paul says this, he says that our troubles are achieving for us an eternal weight of glory mm-hmm. that far outweighs them all. I mean, there, there's some gravitas, there's some dignity, there's some actual profound honor. And I want to add this profound shaping process. So I want to know, I want to ask you guys two things. I want to know, what was the lifeline? How did you find God in your suffering? Where did the grace come or is coming right now? Mm -hmm. And how has it shaped you? I want to know both because the scripture speaks to those things, that there is a grace, that the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. Even when we are weighed down with troubles, God comes with his comfort. And we're confident that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in the comfort that God gives us in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. So Scripture assumes we can find God. Yes. There is a provision. Talk about that. What was the grace? What's the lifeline? How are you finding God in your suffering? I think for me, John, it was, again, turning from looking at just this myopic suffering and physical pain in my body to asking God, what what is he up to? And he began to give me a different kind of heart, a heart that looked not at how empty the cup was, but how full the cup was. In other words, a heart of gratitude. Look around you and what are you grateful for, Bart? Mm. And, and as I began to do that, oh my gosh, the cup began to fill up because... Okay. Now, friends, I know, I know, I know how that sounds. Yeah, but yeah. you are hearing this from a man who has suffered profoundly for 20 years and is still in the midst of physical suffering. Hasn't changed. So we're not throwing Band-Aids on this, but I can tell you, you know, my years as a counselor, that one of the great dangers of suffering or chronic disappointment is bitterness. Yes. It's horrible. It gets in, right? Very correct. And what you're describing is this rescue in that particular battle. Yes. There was a rescue, and the rescue for you was expressing gratitude. Expressing gratitude. Mm -hmm. And that opened my heart to an intimacy with God. Mm -hmm. One of my heroes in life, uh, just as an aside, is gentleman. He's a, a dear ally with Ransom Heart. He's 17 years with ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease. Oh, you're talking about John? John Payne. Yeah. And all he can do is blink his eyes, and he can grip with his lips a breathing device that gives him every breath of life. And so he'll he'll grip that, inflate his lungs, and he can say a sentence or two. 
I've spent many hours with John, and John is trapped. It's like being buried alive. His body is like a huge weight. And if you can just imagine, his nerves are all alive, so just a little fold underneath him is chronic pain. So this man lives in incredible pain. But he'll tell you, and it'll take him a long time because he's got to do it one sentence at a time. He was very successful, had a beautiful family, was contributing in the Christian community where he lives, and, and just a life of success, model life. And he says, if I could have that life back or live where I am with the intimacy of God that I have developed through this suffering, I'll stay where I am. See, I I am actually literally removing my sandals right now. I'm taking my shoes off here in the studio because that's holy. That's not the only time I've heard that story. There is this phenomenon that we cannot ignore in Christendom of people who have gone through devastating yeah. suffering. Some of the living survivors actually still of the Nazi camps. And they're in their 90s now. They were children. And they will say things like, I wouldn't trade it for the intimacy I have with God right now. I, just, I literally have my shoes off right now because that there is something so profoundly beautiful and frankly no. oh, disruptive yeah. about that and unsettling and wait, what? Like you found God and John Payne's written a book that I yes. I think is coming out. Called but, The Luckiest Man. Yeah. And uh, yeah, John, I think you— About you, his story. Yes. Um, but you, there's lots of these stories. Yeah. And it's not necessarily about his suffering. It's about his intimacy with exactly. God. Exactly. Right. That, that's the beautiful part of it is right. he says, I don't want people to focus on the suffering. Yeah. It's the intimacy of God that yeah. I have. Yeah. So talk to me in your own ways. I mean, that's a pretty dramatic story. But in your own ways— so gratitude helped you get out of bitterness. What are some of the other lifelines? What have been the graces? Mm -hmm. I feel very aware of my humanness right now. <laughs> Just in the context of, yes, the Bible says we are going to suffer. I also don't think we're meant to suffer. Like that is not God's ultimate desire for us. not the original yeah, design. Right? No. And so, honestly, I think I'm in a state of kind of pouting. I'm just really still irritated about the whole, the whole process. I can agree with my 2010 diagnosis that I came out of it. Yeah, I wouldn't change it for the world. And how God came for me during that yes. time was really beautiful. And amidst my pouting now over the whole thing, my hand is kind of held up towards God Yet, he is not, for one second, letting me forget his pursuit of me. Hmm. And when I just want to sit on the couch and eat bonbons, he calls me out. Where I find life is in the beauty of his creation. Where I go to worship him is in the mountains and on a walk. I need stillness. And that is when and where I can find him, the quiet of this beautiful world I live in. So speaking currently, I'm just feeling the suffering. My heart aches. It just hurts right now. Yeah. And him knowing me that I need to be outside, 
he gifted me a few months ago <laughs> with a puppy. And I did not want a dog. I've got enough of, it's lucky if I can remember to feed my kids in the morning, right? I, that's just where I feel I'm at right now. It's hard. And that might be an agreement I need to address. <laughs> Things are hard. But he, he gave you a puppy. But all this to say, he gave me a puppy. And this puppy needs to go outside a lot. And I just really see it as his drawing me outside. Mm. He literally gave mm. me something to mm. pull me outside. And mm. at two in the morning when I'm under the stars, he mm. speaks to me and mm. I find him. Mm. So the pursual in this season of mm. taking me to a place where he knows I will mm. open my eyes up to him mm. is really incredible. I want to describe two graces. I, I, I want to describe... First off, I remember losing Brent and then losing Craig, that kind of heartbreak and the pain of it. I would take a baseball bat to the recycling bin mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. our garage, and our, our city happens to provide pretty resilient bins. Uh, and so and I. And baseball I, bats are cheap. Yeah. I mean, I go out there and wail on this thing. So I just want to say there's a place for these emotions. There's even right. a place for yes. pouting. There's yes. a, he got, yeah. gets it. He can handle it. He's not surprised yeah. by your anger. There's a place for that. But there is a turn of the tide. Yep. There's a very critical turn. And in the night, uh, when I would wake up, and particularly in some of the really heinous spiritual warfare, Jesus would say, just start loving me mm-hmm. right now. Just love me. And I mean, this is as recent as... This week, just start loving me. Just love me right now. Love me in this. Not for it, but love me in it. And I could tell what he was doing. He was rescuing my heart. I would begin to just go, Jesus, 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 I love you, I love you, I love you. It opens my heart to receive the grace that he's giving, to even be aware that he's in the room. Yes. To be aware of his presence and his provision. So there's Jesus, catch my heart. I named that one. Mm-hmm. And then love me now. Love me in this has been such a enormously practical rescue for me to begin to find God. Yes. Now, I think he has a lot of provision for us, but I'm not even open to that provision while I'm pulling away. The sea anemone, and let's just be fair. You know, you poke that thing and it goes whoop, oh, you know, yeah. it, it withdraws into itself, right? And pain does that. Yes. And we pull in and we pull back. And mm-hmm. the first thing we do is we pull away from God, right? The very source of our rescue. And so for you, beginning to express gratitude, right? For me, it was I it's just right now, Jesus, I love you. I love you. I love you. Mm-hmm. I just choose to love you. I love you, which began to open me up to the presence of God. And I think that is so crucial because it's exhausting. And the simpleness of, you have my yes, the simpleness of I love you yes. is really all it takes. Literally, it's all it takes. Yes, yes. I'm not remembering the exact reference, but it says the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. I think it's Psalm 149, but... Friends, forgive me for not remembering the verse. The point is the verse, not the address. (laughs) The verse is... It's in there. (laughs) He's near. He's near to those who are crushed in Mm -hmm. spirit. God will draw near. And the thing that people like 
John Payne and Craig would say. I mean, in, in Craig's last year, you know, horrible, horrible suffering. Yes. In the hospital, the stories of the nights that he went through, and, and he would say, but God was there. God was there, mm-hmm. and, and God met me there. The Lord is near to those who are in suffering. Well, our first step is to open our hearts yeah. to his nearness so that we can begin to receive the other graces he's giving, whether he's pouring mercy into our soul in the moment or he's pouring understanding yeah. into our soul. I get it. I get it, Bart. I know how you're doing. Yeah. I know exactly how you feel. He's offering understanding yes. or he's offering companionship or whatever the graces may be, mm-hmm. right? Exactly. Yeah. You know, you you talked about the puppy, mm-hmm. you know, just about three weeks ago. One of the things, I, I lost a lot of things that I could do athletically, but somehow God brought golf back in my life mm. and I had to relearn it. And, and that was a good thing because my other golf game, it sucked. And this one isn't much better, but at least it's different because it's a different body. So we were playing golf and there was another group of golfers. So we were all having a beer after the game. And I heard this guy next to me, he said, oh yeah, I had uh, this thing called Guillain Beret. And I, you don't get that very no. often because it's in the millions of people. You know, it's just, it's a very rare disease. It's, mm-hmm. and there's not much medical attention towards it because it's so rare. And so, so you run into this guy yeah. at a golf club? Yes. And so we started going back and forth in our conversation and we we're saying, Hey, what's your worst day? He said, Oh, new pair of shoes by far, or, or when the weather's cold. <laughs> and I'm saying, Right on. You know, we're high fiving it. And I said, What's your best day? And I, I said, Well, it's, it's laying outside in the sun. He said, yeah, yeah, there's nothing like warm. And all these other guys, they saw this language that we had together, mm-hmm. and they were fascinated mm-hmm. that we had this communication. We didn't know each other, mm-hmm. but yet we had this fellowship of suffering. Companionship. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so gang, one of the other crucial things that we've learned, especially in the early phases of suffering, is that you can have gone. Mm-hmm. Or you can have understanding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And if you insist on understanding, you will often lose God. You can have God. Or you can cry out. And I want to say in the early stages, this is so critical. Now, over time, understanding may come. Over time, God may unpack some things for you. But the important thing is you don't need understanding. Right. You need God. We just yeah. need God. We need his provision. We need his nearness, his companionship, his affection, his understanding. And, and yes, the healing of the soul. Because suffering in all of its forms is brutal on the soul. Mm-hmm. It really is. And whatever else Jesus may do financially, relationally, prodigal kids, with your cancer, whatever else he may do, I'll guarantee you this, he's phenomenal at restoring the soul. And he is able to bring healing grace to our souls as we ask him to, as we invite him into Mm -hmm. our suffering, literally inviting. I'm not not talking about theoretically. I'm saying I am asking for the presence of Jesus into 
the actual suffering I'm experiencing and the damage that it's doing to my heart and soul right now. You know, Bart, one of the phenomenal things I've seen, you you were always a a loving guy, but I got to tell you, one of the effects of your suffering has been you become a much more tender man, particularly to those in suffering, right? Like you hear about somebody in our network that's not doing well, you're the first one to pick up the phone. Yeah, I'd, I'd say God's given me some empathy through this in a softening of mm-hmm. a heart. Compassion. Yes. Yeah. Right? I mean, as hard as it is to say, gang, suffering does shape our character. It does. It's how God is growing us. We don't like it. We don't like it. I don't like even saying it, right? But if Jesus was perfected through his sufferings, do we think we get to skip that class? Mm-hmm. There's no shortcuts in that. I'm so, I, I, I'm embarrassed at how when a new round of suffering hits, I'm shocked. <laughs> okay. And I'm just going, after all these years, you're shocked. And then I'm also, I think I get to skip the class. If Jesus needed to be shaped through suffering, why do I right. think that I get to skip that lesson? <laughs> right. And it does have a profound shaping effect on us. And among other things, it does loosen your grip on this world yep. and on life turning out exactly like you thought it should. It does loosen your grip on that. Yes. Right? And, John, I think it really opens the door for a dialogue, and that's the intimacy that we all want with God. Yes, yeah. it does. You know, we'd rather have intimacy without the pain and the suffering, but that's a big vehicle for intimacy with God. Yeah. It certainly draws you near. And gang, I can hear these little objections going off in some of our listeners, but I'm crying out for the intimacy and it's not there. And I really want to encourage you to go listen to the warfare series yeah. mm-hmm. because the enemy sees our vulnerability and he hates our intimacy with God. And I actually think the enemy's primary purpose through suffering, the enemy's primary purpose is to damage our union with mm-hmm. God. That's, the, that's his main target. It's not your finances. It's not your kids. You know, his primary target is actually your union with God. Yes. And so that's the thing that has to be shielded and fought for and and ask healing into. And I am asking healing into it. Right now, this week, I'm saying, oh, Jesus, heal my union with you. Heal our intimacy, because this is where the assault does its worst damage, right? Right really crucial. So if you haven't listened to the Warfare series, please do that because it's going to help you with some tools to push back the darkness so that you can receive the nearness of God, which is the thing that we crave. Yes. Let me ask you guys. So here's a verse I hate. I want to get your reaction to it. Don't say it. Thank God I know what it here's is. Here's it. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in mm. us. I've had such a strong reaction to that over the years because right. I, not only on my behalf, but on behalf of those I love, mm-hmm. right? To just bang the table and go, it's not momentary and it's not light. It's very and how, real. How can you say this is nothing? It sure feels like a lot. It's crushing at times. And you're saying that the, in comparison to, I, I, I'm just allowing myself some honesty towards the verse because I actually think there's a great piece of gold here. Oh, there is. React to that. How have you heard that over the years? 
and how do you hear it now? Depending on where your heart is, that verse can be very discouraging because it feels like God's just pushing salt into your which we know he suffering, would, which we which know we he know would he, never he do. He would never do. By he the would, way, he, okay. would, he would never do. But that's where sometimes suffering takes you to these dark places. But John, when I when I look at that verse, especially it says, "Our suffering's not worthy compared to the glory that will be revealed in us." That takes me back to when my heart shifted, and I began to ask God, "What?" Mm-hmm. Instead of why. Yes. And that opened the story that this isn't over. God's taking this, and, and the story that he's telling is his love and mm. his restoring his kingdom. Mm. And my suffering's a part of that. Mm. Just to hear you say this isn't over, this isn't the end of the story. You get your body back. I do. You get your body back. Like, you literally get your body back restored. Jesus resurrected was still Jesus. Mm -hmm. Same guy. Same exact body, but restored and holy and glorious and powerful. And I understand, you know, able to walk on water and things like that. But but you you get your body back. You get your life back. You get your joys back. Yes. That's what I look forward to. And I I don't want to make an agreement with God can't heal me, but I've been in this for 20 years now, and— so he's given me the grace to deal with it. He's given me a softer heart to live in it. I feel his intimacy. So just the bright horizon in the future is I get to have all that I've grown in, mm-hmm. but I get to have it all back yeah. the way it was originally intended for me. Yes. I get it all back. Yeah. Stace, what are you thinking right now? I've read all things new and hear you talk about how nothing is lost, how God shared that with you. And it feels so difficult in this moment to even go there Mm -hmm. because it does feel like so much is lost. And I don't even know how to hope for what is to come. Like my body and... yeah. Who I am right now is yes. this foreign being. Yes. I don't know what to hope for. Yeah. So instead of forcing that, let's pray for a moment. Yes. Okay. okay. Literally, let's pray yeah. for a moment. Jesus, we pray that you would come into mm-hmm. the loss. Yeah. For Stacy and for all our dear friends listening, we pray that you would come into the loss. And for what many feel like right now is just awareness of the loss. Mm -hmm. And we pray that you would come into the ability to hope. Yeah. And heal hope. Heal hope. Yeah. Heal hope in Stacy's heart. Heal hope in all our hearts. Yes, God. Heal our ability to receive the promise. Heal our soul's ability. Because what we're describing right now, Jesus, you know, is the damage of the war Mm -hmm. on the soul, making it hard to hope. And so come into the loss, come into the damage, come and heal hope, heal hope in us. Yeah. 
And Scripture makes it very clear that it says that we in, we abound in hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. That hope is given to us by the Spirit of God. It's not something self-generated. And so, Jesus, would you do that? Yeah. Would you, you. impart yes, a fresh gift of hope by the power of the Holy Spirit in us? Friends, we can't end this without naming the palingenesia. We can't. We can't go over Matthew 19, 28, when Peter, you know, things were beginning to get costly. And Peter said, what, is we, what are we supposed to be looking forward to? <laughs> and Jesus says, oh, Peter, I tell you the truth, at the renewal of all things. Just that mm-hmm. phrase. Yes. The renewal of all things. Just elicit such hope. Oh my gosh, Jesus. That friends, do you understand that that nothing is lost? Mm-hmm. Jesus names very specific things. He goes on to talk about houses and lands, your careers, relationships, your health mm-hmm. restored. In Acts chapter three, I love this verse. It's it says that Jesus remains in heaven until the time comes for God to restore everything, Hmm. right? Jesus is waiting for a day, and it's not about heaven, actually. He's waiting for a day when he gets to restore everything. Yes. Jesus fully intends to restore us and the glorious world he's given us. And gang, this moment is very near. Mm -hmm. The return of Jesus is very near. I think you're right, John. I want to say, too, like stepping into this with God brings that into your soul. Yes, it does. Yeah, it's a good state. I feel like yeah. I've been keeping so much of this quiet is probably why I'm so tender and vulnerable about it today. But the fact that by John asking me to offer here is making me talk about it sure. and share yes. honoring one's story is so crucial and comparison of myself to John or even Bart's chronic or your warfare is not helpful to my soul, but honoring my story where I'm at listeners, honoring your story where you are at is so important Mm -hmm. because that invites God into it and to tend to your heart Mm -hmm. where you are at. Yeah, that's so good. And gang, can I just give a little bit of loving counsel here? Honoring someone else's story means not rushing in to fix it. One of the hard things for Craig at boot camps after his cancer story came out was the number of people coming up to him to tell him how they had the special cure to fix it. And if you only ate a bag of oranges every day or if you did handstands, you know, it really isn't honoring. And so... I'm just going to ask you to respect the stories that have been placed here and that you don't reach out to Bart or Stacy or me to give us the secret to breakthrough or your, you know, answer to whatever. You understand. God is coming, and uh, we're grateful for your love, but, you know, rushing to tell us to eat a bag of oranges every day is just not going to be helpful to to Stacy and Bart or, or me been so vulnerable on this podcast. Now, um, friends, I know, I know, I know, we've barely scratched the surface. You know what I'd do if I were you? 
I would listen to these two episodes again because we covered a lot of ground quickly, but the ground that we covered is the journey. It is the journey. It is the healing journey. And to break the name and break the agreements that have been made, to invite the intimacy of God that's available in the midst of suffering, yes, cry out for breakthrough. Absolutely. Yes, Yes, for a change of things. Absolutely. And in the midst of it, Jesus, heal my ravaged soul. Through union with you. The soul is healed through union with God. Mm -hmm. And so I love you in my suffering. I love you now. I love you here. Come close. Mm -hmm. Come close. Heal our union. Because Mm -hmm. as you heal our union, I'm healed. Heal my soul's union with you. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Thank you, God. <laughs>